Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week's episode of Movies That Changed My Life is brought to you by Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon. Watch in theaters or order on Disney Plus with premiere access on March 5th. Hey everyone, I'm Ian DeBorha and welcome to IMDb's Movies That Changed My Life, a podcast where your favorite stars break down the films that made them who they are today. This week's guest is actor Kelly Marie Tran. You may know Kelly as Rose Tico from episodes 8 and 9 of Star Wars, but you will soon be able to hear her as the voice of Raya in Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon. Kelly and I talk about the importance of being the first Southeast Asian Disney princess, going to Harry Potter midnight book releases, and the movies that changed her life. If you listen to the show and want to give us some thoughts, please use the hashtag movies that changed my life and tag at IMDb on Twitter and we'll read out some comments and thoughts throughout the entire season. So make sure to get those in. Thanks so much for listening. Here's movies that changed my life with Kelly Marie Tran. Let's get to the movies that changed Kelly Marie Tran's life. She's rubbing her hands I am together. So excited. Yes. <laughs> this is gonna be very, very fun. So we're gonna talk about three awesome movies uh that I'm excited. I love all three of these. And we're gonna go chronologically. Does that work for you in terms of yeah. release? Perfect. Yeah. So let's start with number one, which is very relevant to Raya uh and The Last yeah. Dragon. So this is 1998's Mulan, the original animated version. It has a 7.6 out of 10 with 258,000 ratings on IMDb, directed by Tony Bancroft and Barry Cook starring Ming-Na Wen, Eddie Murphy, and B.D. Wong, and then sung by the great Leia Salonga and Donnie I mean, Osmond. I mean, come on. All hail, all hail. Leia I know. Like- <laughs> Filipina queen, idol to the Philippine islands. Uh, Truly. <laughs> and if you haven't seen Mulan, uh, the, the synopsis is, to save her father from death in the army, a young Mulan secretly goes in his place and becomes one of China's greatest heroines in the process. Um, so talk to me, when was the first time you, you saw Mulan? Oh my gosh, probably right when it came out. I was not even 10 years old. I think it was like mm-hmm. nine. <laughs> um, and this movie means so much to me. I think I've seen it, I'm not exaggerating, maybe over 100 times. Like once we got the VHS, we just watched it over and over and over. It really was the first time I ever saw myself in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I can... Some of those lines, man. That movie is quotable. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is so, so good and holds such a special place in my heart. It was so funny when um they they reached out and they were like, oh, you know, think about the movies that changed your life. I was like, you know, I could be, I could give like film school answers. And I was like, no, no, no. Let me just like actually talk yeah. about the movies that legit changed my life that I watched so many times. And yeah. I'm so excited to discuss these with you. But yeah, Mulan is definitely one of them for sure. Um, I mean, what was it like? Like as a, you know, young kid, obviously up until that point, Disney hadn't had, um, hadn't had any Asian, you know, uh, princesses or, or really lead characters up until that point. So, um, you know, what was that like going from, obviously, greats, you know, uh, we have Ariel, Belle, and, and Cinderella, all these other classic yeah. Disney princesses. And then, you know, in comes, again, very similar to Raya, like Mulan, not only like a Disney princess with some incredible songs, which we'll talk about in just a bit, but like also like an action action movie and all sorts of stuff. So what was that like seeing that? Incredible. Uh, I don't even know if I understood the significance of that shift mm -hmm. when I was that young. Mm -hmm. All I knew is that I loved that movie. It was a big deal. I think that that seeing someone who looked like me, it was a shift that I don't think I really fully understood at the time. I just knew that it was, um, I knew that I loved that movie and I loved that character and I felt happy watching it and so i watched it over and over and over <laughs> so something that has always stood out to me about mulan is that you know she's one of the first disney characters to not really just go after a prince charming you know her whole mission is to not only save her father but save the country um that she obviously loves uh to uh defeat the huns as they say you said you've seen this you know over hundreds of times was there a moment when you were watching it like that that sort of clicked for you? Do you remember when like that changed from being like a really cool like animated movie with good songs to where like, oh, this is like sort of significant to you like in a in a grander way? I think that seeing a character who was because Mulan's also very funny and kind of mm -hmm. um you know, in the beginning of the movie, she's sort of really having to address the expectations of her family and the expectations of her society um, as she goes through the entire matchmaker sequence, which <laughs> incredible sequence. Um, and then she meets Mushu and Mushu is one of my favorite sidekick characters ever. I just mm -hmm. think he's, so I always think about like how many of these lines must have been improvised because <laughs> when he's talking about like I'm travel size for your convenience and all these things, I'm like, I, I feel like all of that stuff was improvised. It must have been. There's so many non sequiturs. <laughs> His lines are so funny. But yeah, I think the moment for me was seeing Mulan as a character who I'm seeing myself in, you know, this girl who has these expectations and who's sort of like trying to figure it out is a little bit klutzy. You know, she's knocking over um, rice and she's like, like spilling tea and she's doing all this stuff. And then she becomes seeing her fight and like become this really capable warrior and also seeing the trajectory of her being a really bad fighter in the beginning. I think mm -hmm. it really taught me, I think it does something really well that also Moana does really well, which mm -hmm. is that you see a character go from not being able to do something and then after really, really fighting and getting up again over and over and over, they're able to sort of change change parts about them and also use the best parts about them to, um, to uh, like, for example, when she's going up the pole with the ribbon <laughs> yeah. and, and no one else has thought about that. Like, that was something that came from her. Um, I, that all was very inspiring to me, the idea that you could not only 
achieve and not only flourish in this field that you weren't necessarily familiar with, but that you could also use parts of yourself to make those places better in ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. You've already talked about two of some of like the iconic scenes where it's the matchmaker scene and the I'll make a man out of you scene. Do you have a favorite uh, song or, or scene sequence from from the movie? I like I like so many of them, but I just think Girl Worth Fighting For is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Girl Worth Fighting For. I, I can sing every, every word like, I want her paler than the moon with eyes that shine like stars. My girl will marvel at my strength. Ignore my battle scars. I could literally keep going. It's embarrassing. But yeah, I, I, I love that song. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, for me, I think obviously because, you know, little boy growing up, I think the, the I'll make a man out of you scene is just so cool. I mean, not only like. So good. Yeah, like the montage itself is awesome, but just like the music is like Donny Osmond singing that is so... Donny Osmond's voice is like butter. I mean, yeah. And the fighting scenes, like the training scenes, once they all get good and they're all totally in sync, it's like... Yeah. It's not like mind I know. I, I know. It's it's so fun. We talked about your favorite songs. Do you have any favorite uh, other lines that you come back to in life, whether inspiration uh, or just funny, something like Mushu, any lines that stick out to you whenever you think about it? I like the entire King of the Rock scene. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the King of the Rock. Yeah, King of the Rock. And there's nothing you fellas can do about it. <laughs> and then it ends with him <laughs> yeah. screaming or- and falling off the rock. Yeah, it's hilarious. Any last things on, on Mulan before we move on to uh, your next selections? Uh, I love Ming-Na Wen. That's it. <laughs> I think she's so cool. Um, and I got to meet her once. Ooh, please tell. Yeah, I met her at the episode nine premiere and she was so wonderful. And it was wild because at that time I, I already knew that I was going to be playing Raya, but it hadn't, it wasn't released oh, to the public yet. Okay. So I met her and I was just like, ugh, it was like an emotional moment for me for sure. Cause I have looked up to her for so many years and yeah, it's just crazy. Now that it's out, have you have felt the need to reach out or anything like that? I want to. Is that weird? Should I? Yeah, how do absolutely people do should. that? Like, just I don't have Instagram anymore. So, like, <laughs> how does one reach out to someone like that? Okay. Well, well, Ming Na, when you listen to this episode, yes, reach out to Kelly Marie, and she will. Uh, we need we need to make this connection happen. So this is truly like an actor's version of just Craigslist misconnections, just <laughs> shouting out into the void. We met once. <laughs> Uh, Ming-Na, please reach out. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get that happen, okay? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, that was Mulan from 1998. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. From Disney. My name is Raya. Let's catch you up. Every day. The world's broken. I put my world on. And our people are divided. I'm a warrior. The world, I put my world is full of good people. Don't give up on them. On March 5th. It's up to us to restore peace. Note to self, don't die. Raya and the Last Dragon. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters or order it on Disney Plus with Premier Access. Additional fee required. March 5th. Uh, Let's go on to our second pick. So this is unique. This is the first time on movies that changed my life. Rather than one film, uh, Kelly, you selected eight. With that. Okay, okay. Let me preface this with I almost sent Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings as two series that have legit changed my life. And I was like, oh, I just got to pick one. So, okay. So you were going to do Lord of the Rings 
and Harry Potter, but you gave us mercy. I was like, I cannot make Ian watch 11 movies. No, 13 (laughs) with the other two. I've seen all of them a ton of times. So So you're good. We're good. It's good. It's good. Uh, So... Yeah, the Harry Potter franchise, uh, it started in 2001 with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, ends in 2011 with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. All incredible films, if you ask me, and I'm sure obviously if you ask Kelly. uh, Every single one is perfect. Every single one. uh, Written and directed by a whole bunch of people, but starring our core three is Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint. I'm assuming you had read the books prior to the films coming out, or were you a film first Harry Potter person? No, I read the books, and I was like, such a Harry Potter fan. I would go to like Barnes and Noble, rest in peace. Wait, is Barnes and Noble right. still around? It's a still few. around. It's it's yeah. still there. Borders yeah. is the one that's Borders okay, is cool. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I would go to the midnight like the midnight openings for the books. Like that's how deep this went for yes, me. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like there yes. would be like, yeah, parties at bookstores where you could like make wands and stuff and you'd have to pre-order your book to make sure that you could pick it up when the time came. Yes. And like you dress up in, in your robes and everything. And yeah. The, yeah. I, I yeah. remember for like, I think when YouTube first started like getting like popular, like around like 2000, maybe 2005 or six or something like that. I remember seeing videos of people driving around to like Harry Potter premiere, like uh, releases and like spoiling the ending of books. And so for the last couple of, I know uh, awful. So for so the last, <laughs> so for the last couple of midnight releases, I actually wore like earplugs. Cause I was like very scared that someone would like drive around <laughs> and like spoil the books. So yes, yeah. I remember those and like having butter beer in Barnes and Noble and like all that sort yeah. of stuff. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I loved Harry Potter yes. so much and it has absolutely sculpted my <laughs> um just my love of fantasy things probably. Yeah. Um also Lord of the Rings though, both. Yeah. Love both. Uh yeah. so for for Harry Potter, so um we're did you start reading like right away or did you sort of hear about it at like the second or third book? I mean, what was your story? So my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Corum, actually read the first book to us. In our fourth grade class. nice. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I started pretty much right after that. Um, So the first film came out in 2001, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which I have, I I love. It's so cute and cheesy and and, and corny, especially compared to later ones. But what was it like when you finally got to see Harry Potter, like, realized, uh, you know, on, on the screen? So amazing. It was amazing. And I remember, so I would also go to the midnight showing of these movies, yep. which, you know, being in middle school, just to be able to go to a midnight showing was like a big deal because it's late and your parents are letting you go see a midnight movie. <laughs> but I remember just like going with my friends and we would all dress up. And then when the Warner Brothers like logo came up with like, depending on which movie, some of them would like have fog once right, you get right. to like the later ones or whatever. Like darker, and I just, right? Yeah, I just remember having so many emotions. Like, I am so excited to see these movies, like, every single time. And I went to the midnight premiere for every single one. Yeah, it, it was it was a big deal. And then to see these characters come to life, uh, what's wild, too, is now that I, you know, have sort of gotten older and um, gotten to really get into the work of some of the incredible British actors that played a lot of the faculty mm-hmm. in these movies. It's incredible the cast they were able to put together for this. Yeah, it's um, like the, it's like the greatest hits of of British actors. Like every single yeah. one of them. You know, <laughs> yeah, like they, it's like they didn't miss with any of them. It's incredible. Do you have a favorite 
is is it fair for me to ask you a favorite movie or if if I can favorite two movies and, and why? Out of the eight. Yeah. Um I really can't choose, to be honest. I <laughs> I can't. I can't choose. Like they're all good for their own reasons. And also, like, I think what's crazy to me is like I remember some of the things that I was emotionally going through when I read these books mm. or when I watched these movies. And I think that's why I can't really choose because it's so associated with my like growing up into adulthood. (laughs) It's fun because we basically were the same age as Harry and the three of them, like going through like the films. We were a little, I think we might've been a little younger in the book timeline, but in the movie timeline, we were basically like in step with all of them, maybe like a little older by the end. But I agree with you. It's so cool. Like how they, how well uh, the films capture the way like, when we're going yeah. through like high school angst and all that sort of stuff, me a little bit of college yeah, is when okay. uh, Half Blood Prince comes out and Harry's all alone and like grumpy. Yeah, go go on. Yeah, I was gonna say. Remember um, when Goblet of Fire came out and everyone suddenly like Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint had long hair and because it was like <laughs> so cool for everyone to have long hair at that yeah. time. Oh my gosh, I, I remember just feeling so like. All of my guy friends have long hair right now, and it was totally reflected in this movie. I know. <laughs> Along those same lines, like as like they grow older, they you know in the earlier movies they're just kind of always wearing their like wizard robes and wizard hats. But then like you know Draco gets like he gets these cool like suits right like towards the end, like as yeah. he ages up, right? It and I remember being like, oh yeah, I mean it's cool seeing them like become more adults and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and also Tom Felton in those later movies, incredible. Like yes. I. Yeah, when he gets to what's cool, what was cool about reading those books is also I, I wonder what it must have been like for them as actors, like reading those books and knowing what their characters were going to do. Mm-hmm. That right. must have been a really interesting experience. Um, like now having done Star Wars and having done Raya, like I'm really glad that for me, Harry Potter was so separate from work. Like it's like it's like. I don't know how to explain it. It's like this thing that's untouchable in my mind. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's wild. Was there a teacher you particularly um, like that resonated with you, whether like inspirationally from, from the series, where like you took their lessons going out like into the world that you think were like in- inspiring you? I mean, obviously, I was tricked into hating Snape for so long, but then by right, the end, he was the one that stayed with me and. Not just in the books, but also Alan Rickman and uh, his performances. Yeah. I mean, he was in so incredible. And um, there were so many moments in that movie where he delivers one line and I and it's like genius. Like when some characters asking him about the defense against the dark arts position that he didn't get again. And he says, obviously, and he's obviously. like, yeah, <laughs> obviously, but he delivers it in such a way that it is completely unforgettable. And yeah. there's only a few actors that do that can do that. I've watched, um, I watched obviously Ryan Johnson's amazing Knives Out uh, yes, a couple uh, years ago. And Michael Shannon did that for me. Mm. He had this one line and it was the word no. And I cannot get out of my head how he <laughs> delivered that line because it was so funny and so grounded in reality. And, and some actors have that gift of being able to deliver those one word lines in ways that just feel so real that it stays with you. And um, Alan Rickman was definitely, definitely one of those. Yeah. It's in uh, the one with Umbridge where he's asked, Order the Phoenix, where she's asking me like, oh, and you wanted to fill yes. that position? <laughs> it's obviously. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. Umbridge. I, I wow. Umbridge. I still think was robbed of an Academy Award. Not not only win but nomination. She is so incredible. She is so good. Yeah. So so deliciously evil. Yes, deliciously evil is, is a perfect way to say that. I have to ask the obligatory Harry Potter fan question: uh, What house? have you sorted yourself into or do you think you would be sorted into? Okay, I think I would be, I think I would be in one of those situations where the sorting hat would be like, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> hmm, mm. and I would be like, Gryffindor, 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 and they would be like, but Ravenclaw, and I'd be like, Gryffindor, Gryffindor, Gryffindor. So then they would, I think the sorting hat would let me be in Gryffindor, but I do think that it's like on the border of those two. How about you? For me, okay, so I, I have been a long fan of Slytherin, not because it's some like edgy choice to go with Slytherin. I think, I, I Ooh, think. Do you shop at Hot Topic? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, my spike bracelet says otherwise. Um, I, I just think ambition. A Snape was from there, and Snape gave the ultimate sacrifice for Harry yeah. and like the school and the Wizarding world by being the bad guy for however many years, you know, and then he is the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, but I like that ambition is their big thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with being ambitious. You know, you, you gotta be ambitious. Some people take it too far, obviously, uh, in the case of Slytherins, but as a whole, I think ambition is a key driver in my personal like life. So that's, that's something I stick around with there. So that's, that's me. I love that. Yeah, please don't slide into my DMs about that, anyone. <laughs> so that was Harry Potter, 2001 to 2011. Uh, all amazing films, all amazing films. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Uh, so let's jump to your last one, a slight pivot, but something I'm very, very also excited to talk about. Uh, this is 2006's Pan's Labyrinth. It has an 8.2 out of 10 with 621,000 ratings on IMDb, written and directed by the great Guillermo del Toro, starring Ivana Baccaro, Ari Ariadna Gill, uh, Sergey Lopez, and Doug Jones. Uh, the synopsis is, uh, in the Falangas, Spain of 1944, a bookish young stepdaughter of a sadistic army officer escapes into an eerie but captivating fantasy world. So talk to me about Pan's Labyrinth. Um, really such an amazing movie in every which way. Um, yeah, talk to me about it. When, when was the first time you watched this? 
Um, I think it was, yeah, when it first came out, so 2006, I was in high school. Um, uh, and that movie is so haunting. It just stayed with me and I've watched it. I actually watched it pretty recently, like maybe a couple mm -hmm. months ago. Like I just, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, I just felt like it was ingenious in the ways in which it explored, um, war, but also in a way that took you into a child's perception of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just obsessed with uh, GDT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, obsessed. <laughs> and I, yeah. I've gone down so many rabbit holes about like how he's gotten interested in monsters and, and how much of his upbringing played into that. And, and mm -hmm. um, I just think he's such a consummate like artist and that movie and the music is so haunting. Like, mm -hmm. da -da 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 -da. like yeah. I cannot get that song out of my head. It's, it's like, um, it's like an evil lullaby sort of like take, right? Yeah. Like the way it's, it's like a haunting little melody there. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I think it was my first real, um, I don't know if this is true, but I think it's one of my first, uh, real experiences with magical realism done very well. Mm hmm. And yeah. that's my favorite genre of film, like without mm. any doubt in my mind. I just think that um, it's such an incredible, it's such an incredible movie. Yeah. <laughs> Something about the way Guillermo del Toro is able to write and capture like a child's like loneliness, right? Behind that in, in this film is so interesting because like he's able to balance the very intense I mean, the whole thing is is, is intense in its own so way, intense. right? Yeah. But like in, the intense, like, you know, how would a kid escape being in the situation, you know, that, that Ophelia was in? And he just does it so perfectly in a way that's like kind of hard to explain. But, you know, taking yourself into like imaginary lands because who, when a kid is like stressed out or like wants to, you know is kind of mad at their parents for whatever dumb reason or real reason they may be like the immediate they want to do is like daydream. And like a lot of kids, you know, they daydream or they'll say like, I'm going to run away. Right. They'll like, they'll picture like I could just run away. And he kind of does that in this way, but with his GDT twist on it, does, does that make sense? What I'm trying to say there? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And there's only one moment in the movie towards the end where, where the audience is suddenly given the, the question of, is any of this real or did she make it all up? And that's, it's, that's when, um, uh, her stepfather figure yeah. like finds her. Um, yeah. and I remember that for me being like, Oh wait, I like that. He doesn't really answer the question that it's sort yeah. of a question. Yeah. That really, it's, it's really, it's so beautiful. That movie's awesome. And it, I just remembered I have, like, looking at this. I'm going to actually go and get it. I'm listening to you, but I'm okay. going to get my GD, GDT book that I have, like, yes, on my go shelf. Because I want to show you. Please, please go get it. <laughs> Ooh, so yeah, I look have at that. this book. At Home with Monsters or something? And so I, I actually yeah. haven't heard of that. So what is it? It's just, like, a, all the work he does? Yeah, it's, it's like, a, he's really into collecting. Yes. Um, you know, like, different monster type things for inspiration and this is a lot of pictures of the things yeah like i've seen it's pictures dope. like or videos of like his house and it looks like just like an awesome museum of collectibles and stuff like yeah. that yeah do you remember when the fires were here a few years ago and it was yeah, like yeah. in danger of of <laughs> being lost i was like no gdt i'm so invested i don't i've never i i met him well i didn't meet him i saw him once <laughs> 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 I'm like so invested. I was like, 
this cannot burn down. You don't understand. This is very important. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is, I, I just think he's so incredible. And obviously like shape of water is just, yeah. Oh, I love shape of water because like in, in a way that, uh, Pan's Labyrinth sort of captured childhood, like whimsy in a really particular way. I feel like mm-hmm. shape of water captured, like when I watch it in theaters, I remember thinking like, this is what a movie is like when you want to escape and see like a fun movie like this is it it captures sort of like the whimsy and like the mysticism of old hollywood in such a unique way without being like about old hollywood i don't know there's something about it that's like yeah it's magical yeah yeah and i listened to so many interviews of him talking about how like every shot is moving because he wanted to emulate it being water and just like all of these little choices that make it so incredible to watch like that's something that I find extremely interesting too like the more I learn about this industry and the more I work with people is just how meticulous people are in their decision making and how it does really make a difference and he's Mm -hmm. one of those who I feel like is very very meticulous about every single choice um but I agree with you that that movie has a similar um ability to use magical realism in a way that takes you to a different place that I think is so rare in movies nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not afraid to feel things. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Feel things and sort of just like go where he wants to go, which is pretty hard to find. I feel like in a lot of new movies, right? I think there are a lot of new movies are trying to like, even at the time, I mean, even when Pan's Labyrinth came out, like movies obviously try and please a wide audience for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Right. But you know, Pan's Labyrinth and Shape of Water and Guillermo del Toro in general, he makes movies for himself and what he thinks he enjoys. And it just happens that a lot of people really enjoy his movies, you know, and he doesn't cheapen it or anything like that. Yeah. There's just something about it. Right. So good. Yeah. Yeah. They're so, so good. And God, I just love that movie. (laughs) Um, Were you much of a dreamer yourself when you were younger? I was absolutely. Yeah. I, so I, um, have two sisters, one older and one younger. And I have these two cousins on, um, on my mom's side who we used to always go to their house in Riverside. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the only two things I know about Riverside is one, their house is there. And two, that's <laughs> where, two, that's where the movie Changeling took place mm-hmm. <laughs> with all the murders <laughs> and the chicken coop. Um, so when I was growing up, we'd always go to their house and My older cousin was the same age as my older sister, and my younger cousin was the same age as my little sister. So I was sort of the middle child that sort of got, I was very much in between. Like my my older sister and cousin were really into like Backstreet Boys (laughs) and talking about boys at the time. And then my little sister and my little cousin were really into playing video games. And I was sort of in this like awkward middle age. And because of that, I spent so much of my time, whenever we were there, I'd be reading books and I'd be like daydreaming and walking around and like creating worlds in my head by myself. So yeah, I was absolutely a kid who sort of spent a lot of time in fictional worlds, I think, to, to escape reality. Right. And now you get to play in these fictional worlds to help other kids. You know, I mean, like, what a, what a beautiful, like full circle, not full circle, Getting to the full circle because obviously there's much more to your circle to come, <laughs> but uh, you know it, 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 it's it's I love hearing and you know the fun thing about doing this podcast is when I get to talk to people and you get to see these clear narratives in their life that like parallel the movies that they they end up creating or acting in. It makes it so like wholesome and inspiring, and and I hope you know our, our listeners get get the same feelings from that. Ian, why are you trying to make me cry all of the time? <laughs> and, you know, just a little AM AM cry session. Yeah. Right? What, right before your very long hours of press day, I'm sure is exactly what you want. 
that's really beautifully put. I've never really thought about it that way. And that, yeah. thanks for saying that. I'm going <laughs> to sit on that for a little bit because it's making me feel things. <laughs> so before we go, obviously, we have to talk about Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, I had a chance to watch it last night. Being Filipino-American, I absolutely loved, loved, loved like all the visuals I got to see. It reminded me of so many things whenever, whenever I've gotten to travel back home to the Philippines. It was amazing. I mean, what are your thoughts? You, you get to be the first Southeast Asian Disney princess, Disney like warrior princess even. So what are your thoughts around that? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, first of all, I'm so glad that you resonated with it. And that makes me so happy to hear because I think that we've been pretty meticulous about trying to capture authentically um, that part of the world. Mm -hmm. And it means a lot to me that that, uh, that you enjoyed it and that it resonated with you. And yeah, it, it's a big deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, it sounds so crazy because, you know, I, I still don't really feel like I am, um, I've been working that long, you know, Jedi mm -hmm. last Jedi came out in 2017. It's now in 2021. <laughs> and before that I was working in an office and just auditioning for stuff all the time. And, and, um, yeah, it feels like a, a weird miracle. Like it just feels like a dream, the whole thing. And I'm, I'm so excited for this movie to come out because I am so proud of it. But yeah, if you're asking me how I feel about, um, <laughs> about getting, getting to voice Raya, it feels unreal. It's truly unreal. <laughs> Um, but if people who ha who aren't familiar uh, with the film, what what is it about, and who who do you play? Yeah, so the movie follows Raya, who, when we first meet her, is a young girl who's just obsessed with dragons and really has an ideal way of looking at the world. And her father is a. <laughs> an Obama-esque character who <laughs> is trying to bring the world together and unite the world. And, um, and then this sort of horrible thing happens and she experiences something that sort of changes her entire worldview. And then we sort of see her a, f a few years later and she has become this person who is absolutely zero trust for the world. Um, she feels like she has to sort of figure out everything herself and, she feels like the world is a broken place and you have to treat it as such. Um, and yeah, I get to play Raya through all of those iterations from when she's a younger girl to when she's sort of this, um, this warrior. And I am really excited for people to, to meet her and to see this movie um, and to sort of follow her journey because it's, it's a journey and a lesson, I think, at the end of this movie that I, I'm still trying to take with me and, and to really learn and understand. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, without going in, into too many details, I mean, it it seems like the message and final, like you know, lessons about the movie are just like very relevant in a way to sort of how people are sort of approaching, uh, you know, twenty twenty one and how they kind of want to like maybe reflect on the last couple of years. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! Absolutely. Yeah. I think that <laughs> I absolutely relate it to the what's happening in the world currently. And I think a lot of the filmmakers have also said, like, it's so strange how, you know, movies like this take so years, many years right. to make. So there's no way that you could time it correctly <laughs> to sort of, <laughs> to sort of uh, be reacting to a current event, but it really does feel um, of this time mm -hmm. um, in terms of the message. Yeah. That's absolutely something I think about 
all the time. <laughs> Something that struck me about Raya is that, and the film as a whole, is that this is like an action movie. It is an animated action movie. Like the, there's a lot yeah. of really cool action sequences and um, a lot of fun adventure and stuff there. So was that was that sort of the um, from when you first got the script? Was that sort of the idea the whole way through, or did that sort of kind of change yes. as you were working with it? Okay. Yeah, it was it was very clear from the beginning that um, Disney was trying to do something different with this movie, not just in well, yeah. First, let me acknowledge the action scenes are amazing, and I <laughs> yeah. think what's really cool is that. Um, Kui, one of our writers, is an expert in Southeast Asian uh, mar martial arts. Mm -hmm. And so all the martial arts scenes, um, you know, the types of fighting, everything comes from this specific region of the world, which I just thought was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it's definitely a different type of movie, I guess, especially when we talk about historically what we have come to expect from movies that are labeled as Disney princess movies. Mm -hmm. um, this is a very different movie and a very different character. And I'm, I'm really excited to be part of a movie that's sort of broadening the idea of what do we think when we think Disney princess? Mm -hmm. And I think that we are definitely sort of shifting the narrative in a really exciting way. Yeah, I com completely agree. How do you hope uh, kids who watch Raya will be inspired in a similar way that you were inspired when you watched Mulan. Because I think the way that Mulan inspired you, it's Raya and The Last Dragon is 100% going to inspire little kids in like very, very similar ways. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, what, what ideally, how are you hoping there are parallels there? Wow. Well, I'm fully going to cry. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Yeah, I hope that people just feel seen and I hope that yeah. they take away something from this movie that stays with them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that as an actor, the dream is to be part of something that people uh, are moved by or, or something that make people that makes people think. And um, I think, I don't know, you've seen the movie. I'd love to hear your opinion, but I, I think that this movie is so special and, and it has like a message that stayed with me at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like um, my my wife. She's pregnant with our with our first daughter, and so for me, what I saw, I was like, "This is awesome that I'm not going to have to go back to a movie from 1998 to like, which is obviously amazing. Like, also one of my favorite Disney films is that you know we get to have like a really modern one come out with like that isn't you know like you said that kind of shapes the narrative differently on how people see Disney princesses. So we have these two like awesome movies featuring Asian like princesses that I think hopefully will be like very inspiring to her, uh, you know, at a young age. I love that. Ryan the Lost Dragon uh, coming out theatrically if you're able to where it's safe on March 5th, but also at the same time on Disney plus. So that's exciting. Anything else uh, about that other than make sure you go see it because it's awesome and everyone will love it. <laughs> well, you said it so well. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I'm really excited to share this movie with the world um, in whatever way is the safest. And I'm just, I'm really, really excited. So yeah, you said it perfectly. Final question here. We have Mulan, Harry Potter, and Pan's Laugh, and then sort of leading off to where, mm. what I just said. Do you have like a through line between these three movies as to why you think you like chose these three? Do you see any correlation between when you watch them or, or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they all have magic in them. Um, mm. And that, gosh, for me, I think that's such a huge 
motivator in my life. Like, I just want to believe that magic is real. And I don't really know how to define that, but I want to believe that there's something bigger than me. I want to believe that there is um, things about the world that we don't necessarily understand, despite all of the technological and scientific advances. I want to believe that there are things that cannot be explained and that um, there's still wonder in the world and, and something to be excited about and surprised by. Um, so yeah, I, I think those, I think that's the type of stuff that I still gravitate towards. Um, and this type of stuff that I, I want to exist in the world. Beautifully said. Perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like I said before, you're, uh, the magic between Raya and obviously Star Wars, uh, you know, I think you're helping, kids and, and people also just I mean not even kids just anyone you know continue to believe in like sort of magic stuff so I, I, I love that <laughs> thank you well Kelly thank you so much for hanging out with us today uh, I love talking about all three of these films but uh, Raya and the Last Dragon comes out theatrically and on Disney Plus on March 5th do you have anything else you want to uh, chat really quickly about the film <laughs> no I, I it's an amazing movie and I, I, I'm really excited for people to um be able to watch it and i hope that uh, i hope that people like it yeah so thank you so much for hanging out with us today um have fun with the rest of your day and i'm looking forward to uh raya coming out for fnc thank you thank you, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about Kelly Marie Tran and the movies that changed her life, head over to imdb.com slash podcasts. 